Welcome you to Haven Community Church. I'm glad that you're joining with us today. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Welcome to Welcome Church Online as well. A um, couple announcements that we want to touch on. Uh, we want to touch on that if you're interested in helping support our Paris Foundation, the, the next time we will be there will be May 19th. Um, also, Grief Share meets regularly. And um, if, you're, if you're youth, that means you're a little bit younger than me. Um, and so if you're youth, um, they are meeting today, but not next week because they want everyone to celebrate with their moms. Believe it or not, next week is what? Mother's Day. So there you go. There's your fair warning to get things. Um, and then the youth will also be taking a, um, a day retreat to Sandy Cove on June the 1st. And the sign-up deadline is May the 12th, so uh, please plan to connect to that. You also see information um, about the uh, Haiti trip. If you're still thinking about that, you still have some very immediate time. You need to uh, finish that up now. Um, and for those of you, today is also what? Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. It took you a while. That's the 5th of May. That, today is May what? There you go. Yesterday was Star Wars Day, May the 4th, um, right? And so... Um, so um, May the 10th, the, um, Dining for Women will be meeting at 6.30, that's a Friday, and uh, covered this, and it is a Mexican fiesta theme, so you can have fun with that. And then today we are kicking off our church-wide study on what makes you happy, and so we'll talk about that as well today. So we want to welcome you. A couple prayer requests that we do have that we want to lift up. Thank you. Um, the prayer requests um, are from Robin Hildebrand. For Don Smith, who was back in Johns Hopkins for lung and kidney issues and back pain. Um, for my mother, Joanne Cohen, wants uh, to ask for a prayer for a good report after a visit to Fox Chase tomorrow. And uh, Joy Blanton uh, Hansrek, who is going in for another round of surgery to fix her leg, which was broken. This is the same leg that she had cancer in 30 years ago. So we want to continue to lift them all in prayers. Let's start today with uh, prayer. I'm going to ask that you'll stand and we'll get ready and worship the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you once again today and we are going to celebrate your name. Lord, you are great and you are mighty and you are powerful. And so you remind us as the rain and snow fall from heaven, so your word falls and doesn't return uh, void. And so, Lord... We ask that you do the same as we gather here to worship your name. For those prayer requests that we have lifted up, God, we just, um, just pray that you'll use us in mighty ways. And God, as we come together and uh, those of us are gathering here to praise your name, may you fill this place with your Holy Spirit and fill our lives with uh, the name of Jesus. And may we take that not only when we worship here, but when we take it every single place. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, and God's people said, Amen. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. 
with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Come on, you can put your hands together. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will serve the Lord. With all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you. I will love you. With all my strength, I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. All right, everybody, you know I'm going to do it. Now, I got a cold right now. Keep it going. We're going to go up to I Will Love You, and I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I will love you. Let's hear it. Lord, with all my heart, 
soul with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. I will love you, Lord, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength. In the presence of Jesus the Nazarene And wonder how he could love me A sinner condemned on me In Haven Church, sing it out loud We're singing how marvelous He took my sin and my sorrows. He made them his very own. Yes, he did. And he bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. We're singing to a living God today. We're singing how. Singing, how marvelous, how wonderful. 
God, it's just so awesome that we know that through everything else, through every storm, through every, through when we're between the devil and the deep blue sea, that you split the sea so we can walk right through. And so, God, right now, many of us are going through something in life, and we just, um, we can just take confidence in your word and who you are, that you are true and that we are your child. And, um, and so, God, during this time, you take care of your children. And we, we know that so well. And so at this time, God, we want to be able to, to serve you and to give back to you as a portion of what you've given to us as we continue in this worshipful atmosphere. That, God, as we receive your tithe and our offerings, that we recognize that it's not just here for us, but it's for um, all your children around the world that you've called us in mission to. So bless these gifts for us, God. Just bless these gifts and so that we can go ahead and share the world. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Spotless land for a sinner's soul. You gave me a heart of flesh for a heart of stone. You brought me down to my knees when I was full of pride and took away all the places I could hide. And those you love, you will chase Everything that can be will be shaken. Everything that can be will be shaken. And only you remain. And only Wherever my treasure is, there my heart will be. I'm fixing my eyes on things in the heavenlies. When everything is said and done and swept away, I want to be by your side for eternity. For those you love, will chase it. Everything that can be will be shaken. Everything that can be will be shaken. And only you Suffering for the moment is pleasant, but it brings forth the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Jesus, my righteousness. Everything. 
Right at this time, our children can head to our Haven kids. And just real quickly, greet those around you today. Good morning. This morning we have two readings. The first from Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The second reading comes from James, first chapter, 15th verse. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. All right, for some of you, that may seem like you're, uh, what you got packed away somewhere, right? You have a bunch of stuff packed away. Have you ever noticed that when you move, you just carry junk to junk to junk to junk? How many have moved junk a billion times, never opened it, all right? There you go, all right. So today, we are beginning our series, and this is the only book that you'll need. And honestly, um, uh, most of the stuff 
is going to be uh, given, if you can't uh, really afford to connect with it or whatever, it's not that much. Um, what is it, $7? Okay, $7. But um, so if you want one and to connect to groups, you can do so. Uh, we want to, um, we have like seven different groups, isn't that correct, Debbie? About seven different groups. And so um, everything you need is right here. And, um, and honestly, if you don't, the people that, uh, leading the groups will have the questions and so they'll just facilitate it. So it'll be a really cool opportunity. Um, it's a, uh, a series and a study done by, um, by Andy Stanley. Anybody know Andy Stanley? You may know his father, um, Charles Stanley, who's been around a long time or either one. And it just seemed like a good series at the time when Debbie and I were looking at what we we're going to do. We like to try to do a church-wide study um, right after Easter. And one of the reasons why I wanted to pick this is because it has, a, it has a key term in there that I think many of us struggle with, happiness, right? Some of us uh, talk about being happy. You know, it's interesting. I teach a class in um, philosophy <coughs> at the college. As you can tell, I got a cold, um, so just bear with me. Um, but uh, I will ask people, what is, what, is it the main, what is the main thing you want to do in life? And they say, I want to be happy. Right? Anybody want to be happy? Anybody say, you know what? My, the, the goal of my life is to be the most miserable person that walked the face of the earth. I think some people live that out, but I think um, our main goal is to find happiness. But what brings happiness? You know, happiness changes from time to time. Like, for instance, when you're sick, it would make you happy to do what? When you're hungry, it would make you happy to? Right. When you're full, it would make you happy too? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? All right. So, but we are doing a brand new series, and we want, we'd love for you guys to really connect, connect to those things. So, um, like, uh, it, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. Now, to begin this series, there's a couple of things. Today's going to be kind of introductory. We're going to wrap it up, wrap some things up to, sh- like, kind of share what's going to happen in this series. You'll look. There's very few scripture lessons in the bulletin. Many of those are fill in the blanks. So I'm giving you a lot of work to fill in to show you where it's, where it's coming this week, all right, or this uh, series. So I'm going to start with the theme of our series, and I'm going to ask you this as a question. Ready? Here we go. And you'll see the question mark here. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? That's a really open-ended question, isn't it? As I said, there's several things that make us happy. Some people say money would make you more happy. Uh, some people say um, having a significant other would make you happy. Some people say getting rid of my significant other would make me happy. There's a lot, depending upon your perspective. I see some people who are divorced saying hallelujah. Um, but there are times in our life that different things make us happy at different times. For instance, um, there was a man named Jerry, and Jerry was at a marriage seminar the leader of the seminar was a lady, and she was asking everybody how long they were married for. And they had some 5, 10, had some 12 years, had some that were there, and people were clapping. And when it was Jerry's turn, he said he was married for almost 50 years, which, wow, the leader exclaimed, and everybody just applauded. You know, you know how that happens. Um, anybody married for 50 years or around there? And people just applaud you, don't they? Right? Am I right? Anybody over 50 years? Okay, and people go, whoo! Yeah, right? That's what happens. And so um, that's what happened with Jerry. And so the leader said, that is amazing. Perhaps you can take a few minutes and share some really good insights on how you've been able to do that and be married to the same woman for so long. And Jerry stopped and said, well, you know, I try to treat her nice. I buy her presents and I take her on lots of trips. He said, and best of all, for our 25th wedding anniversary, I took her to the Bahamas. And they went, 
Woo, wow, everybody was just so amazed. And the, so the leader said, that's really beautiful. And it's, it's a true inspiration for all of us. And she said, so do you mind asking, uh, telling us exactly what you're planning on doing for your 50th anniversary? He said, well, I'm thinking about going back and picking her up. <laughs> okay, so, so a lot of times, those things might make you happy. You never know. Okay? Hey, I don't write them. I just share them, okay? So, um, but if we think about what makes us happy, we can be all over the place. So the first thing is, we could ask this question, what makes you happy? And I guarantee if I went down and we had 150 or 200 people in here, we would go ahead and we would have 150 or 200 different answers for what would make us happy. Am I right? A lot of those things, okay? And some of the stuff that makes the person next to you happy would probably make you miserable and vice versa. So the other way that we can look at <coughs> is we can look at this as a statement. Like I could be telling you, what make, here's what makes you happy. Okay, here's what makes you happy. So in the next several weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going, I'm, I'm going to help tell you what is going to make you happy and what should make you happy. <laughs> the reason why is because we fall into several categories. One of those categories is that as I look around and as I live, there's a lot of people who just aren't happy. Correct? Some of you may have even said this statement, I don't think I'm ever going to be happy. And there's people who, who have said that and live that out. So what are the, uh, this is some of the reasons. The second one would be, some of us really don't know what makes you happy at all. We just kind of plod through life. We just exist. We get up when the alarm goes. We go to work. We go wherever we're supposed to do. We come home. We go to kids' events. Uh, we, we go back. We might go on vacations. And still, we don't feel happy. We don't have that experience happy. And others of us, we may want to be happy, but we just don't know how to. Like, if things get good, we keep waiting for the shoe to drop. Or we, mess it, we blow it up ourselves. And so that may be some of them. Now, you may, you may say, this is odd, because I don't know all of you. And you say, you're going to go ahead and tell me what makes me happy. And you're making this promise. But don't, doesn't advertising do that every single day? Every single day, advertising <coughs> tells us. That if you have this, you'll be happy. And how many of us may have said, you know what? If I only have that, then, oh, I just need this. Like if you ever walked by, just walk by and you've seen something that you want to spend your time, your money, your effort, and you spend all that time and then you're still not happy. Or like remember, like when you first got that new iPhone, you know, the one that was about this thick. That you had to, you know, wheel it in somewhere, and you were so happy because you had it, and you were sitting there playing with it, and then all of a sudden, they came out with a new one? How many of you went and got the next one? How many are still using the iPhone 1? How many of you still have a flip phone? We will pray for you, okay? Um, all right, we will definitely pray for you, out evil spirit, right? But, hey, because you still use it, because guess what it does? It makes phone calls, Right? Isn't that what phones were supposed to do? But now, my gosh, we can't even do without it. Ours control sound, ours control um, all kinds of things around here. So we, we love that. And the fourth thing is we may have actually just forgotten what makes us happy. That's been so long since we've been happy that we totally forgot what makes us happy. And so what we're going to do, you know, a lot of us want that quick fix, um, and marketing can kind of give us that quick fix, but... You cannot have that for authentic happiness. There is no quick fix. So we're going to jump right in today. Everybody ready to jump in? 
Okay, let's jump in. So <coughs> I'm going to jump in by telling you what makes you happy. First of all, this is something that we know, but I want to share it again. Happiness is always associated with um, a who rather than a what. It's always associated with a who rather than a what. Now, what do I mean by there? Happiness is, we, we, we get lied to and told us that it's what that makes us happy, the thing that makes us happy in life. We know this, but we often forget it. For instance, we knew this as the youngest that we were. How many of you remember this thing when you were little as kids called playing outside? Remember, and it didn't matter what you had because you could find something, but what it mattered was who you were with. Remember, in your backyard, anybody make mud pies? Just to let you know, there's a lot of mud on this earth, okay? Anybody, anybody have, have dirt bomb fights? Anybody climb a tree? Anybody build a fort? Anybody do anything else? Anybody ever came in that at the end of the day you had that ring around the tub? You know what I'm talking about? That you, you did not need the stuff because it was who you were with, correct? And then, then you went to school, <coughs> and you went to school, and you got on the playground. And the playground was not about what you had. It was who you were with on the playground. Am I right? Remember? Remember just running from place to place to place? Anybody remember this? And it didn't matter that there was a seesaw. It mattered who was on the, on the seeing part of the saw, right? That's all it mattered. It mattered about the who. And that continued in high school. High school didn't matter as much about what you had. Anybody remember your first car? Anybody remember that? Was it beautiful? No. I had a, I had a 1980 vet. Shove it. Okay? <laughs> And that was my pickup line. I got a yellow vet, and it lasted until they got to the parking lot, all right? So, but that was my car. That thing, I could have got out and ran faster than the thing, but it was my car, right? It wasn't about what I had in that car. It was about when I went out, who was in that car with me. Everybody with me? So it was about who you're with. And that continued in, that was in middle school. Remember the tortures of middle school, anyone? Yes. Uh, Bobby still lives there, right, Bobby? Um, and so you have that whole kind of people trying to be in the right group, and you continue that in high school, and that continues, and it goes on. So we understand that it was always about who rather than the what that we have. So in another way, like Andy Stanley states this, is this way. Happiness is always associated with a who or a two. It's about people, a person or people that are in your lives. So this is one way that we have this. If happiness were about what, everybody would be happy. Because you would just go and get your what, and then you would be good. Like if you had that what in your life, and you're miserable, and everything's falling apart, I can just go, hey, look what I found. You go, oh, great, I'm happy. But it's not that way. It's not that way. Um, so it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. You could treat me like complete garbage, and if you gave me my what, I'd be happy. And all of us could be happy if it was about our what's. But it's not about our what's. The next thing that we see, and here's some evidence, some more evidence for some of this, what I'm saying, happy what always leads to a happy what else. Have you noticed that? 
Happy what always leads to a happy what else. You remember Tide in the 70s and 80s? Yeah, I'm talking about Tide, the stuff that cleans you. Remember it was good and got every stain until new improved Tide came out. And we have spent our lives with new improved stuff, haven't we? So, like, I remember um, my dad, one of the first things he bought, which was a shock to everyone, was he bought a microwave, okay? And he brought that microwave home. And this microwave lasted us for probably 20 years, am I right? I'm not lying, am I? He wasn't going to buy another one. Um, so he had this one. It was one that you, that you would, sh- you would put stuff in there. It, the plate did not rotate. There was no such thing as that. And you would go ahead and push it, and you had to lock it down. And then it had a dial that had numbers. Anybody with me here? And you would take it, and you had to turn it to five, and then you had to turn it back. Anybody with me here? All right? And then that thing would go, and it was about this big. Right? But that thing cooked up, and it did it for 20 years until I think mom said, you think that thing may be having some radiation? And then begrudgingly, Dad went and got another one that actually had push buttons. But that thing lasted a long time. We wanted it there. But then they came out with new and improved where you didn't only have one side of your, your whatever you were cooking hot because it rotated around, right? And, you, you know, it looks. And now we have all kinds of stuff. We have stuff that we can program. You remember when, you, when the remote to the TV was your kids? Turn to channel, turn to channel uh, 13, it was in one turn. Anybody remember that? Or God forbid, you had to go to you and go through all those stations in UHF and turn and take tinfoil and go this way, like that. Stay put. <laughs> with me. You just told me how old you are. And then one day they came with a cable television, and now our phones do it. You see, there's always something new and improved because happy what always leads to happy what else? always in our lives. And in this time where we are having technology increase and increase, and and what they say is technology is rapidly changing. Every 18 months, we are learning, we we know completely double what we did before for the first time in history. You see, we like our brand new phones. We liked our brand new jobs. We liked our brand new cars. We like our brand new other stuff until they get old. And then we look for something else. You see, when something ages or becomes passe and that drops our happiness level, the chances are we weren't really happy in the first place. And I want to tell you something. And for those of you who are children who are at home with your parents, um, don't blame me for this. And parents, sorry, I'm letting letting the cat out of the bag. Parents are only as happy as the misery of their, their one child. Like if there's one child who is miserable, that's the highest level parents will get in their happiness. Am I right? If you have a child who is aggravated, nasty, wakes up on the wrong side of the bed that morning, just is not happy, anybody with me here? That's where your happiness level will reach. Am I right? So the rest of your kids can be like, woo, fiesta, party, yay. And that one kid can be, I hate life, I don't like you, I'm not cleaning nothing, boom. And you're gonna be that miserable. Your happiness is not going to go here because that kid is going to take you to that area. Same thing in your marriage. Your marriage is only as happy as the players in that system. If you're happy, 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 and they're miserable, guess where you're going to be? Down here, your happiness level is going to be here. Why? Because happiness is tied to a who, not a what. You can have all the things you want. For instance, over the years, I have... have, uh, 
had the opportunity to see God move in amazing ways, particularly with couples who uh, struggle with infertility. And what I found out is couples who struggle, struggle with infertility, it doesn't matter if they really have that desire in their heart and really want that. It doesn't matter how much money they have in the bank. It doesn't matter the jobs they have. It doesn't matter the cars that they drive because they want to add a who to their life, even though they have tons of what. Until that who comes in, there is a void. And when God brings that who in, everything changes. Am I right? Anybody who's been part of that. It is the who that that makes us happy. It is the who that does that. For instance, Melissa and I, before we had kids, didn't just love kids. Matter of fact, the thing I loved about it when my nephew would come is that he could go home, right? That's what grandparents say the best thing about having grandchildren is, right? You can have them for a while and go home to your parents. We started loving kids when we had our own. They became a deeper, special love for these children. I didn't just go ahead and spend money on these little vacuums that we call children in our lives because I feel like it. I do it because they're mine and there is a joy and a happiness in my children. Parents with me. And so that's why when, when Judah hits the baseball, I don't care where it goes, I am happy. Right? You with me? Everybody here? I'm talking to myself here today. It's why when you go and you sit at the most boring things in life, but you're happy because it's your kid. If you go for somebody else, you're like, my gosh, what am I doing here? Get me out. You will find a reason to get out of it. Am I right? But when it's your kid, you will suffer through anything, and it makes you happy to suffer because of your child. Okay, you with me? So as we're looking at it, it proves that it is about a, it's about a who. It is constantly about who. Because in the end, this is a statement we all need to embrace. In the end, you will have relational, not possessional regrets. Let me say that again. At the end, you will have relational regrets, not possessional regrets. For instance, I will tell you this. On my deathbed, as much as I love some of the stuff I have, I'm not going to go ahead and say, Melissa, can you bring me my Brian Westbrook signed football so I can spend some time with it? I'm not going to say, hey, can you bring me those nice pair of shoes that I bought from Marshall's so I can just spend a couple more moments looking at them. Nobody does that. Men, you're not going to go ahead and say, can you wheel me out on my stretcher so I can look at my car one more time? No. It is the people that you want around you. Am I right? It's the family. It's the loved ones. It is about the who in your life. It is the relational regrets that you will have when you're dying over uh, the possessional regrets. Yet we spend so much time believing that possessions bring us happiness. And it's truly a lie from the pit. And so you'll see some people. Now there's some people who may be hearing this right now. And often, I'll say often it tends to be men. And not all the time, but it tends to. And you may make this statement. I don't need anyone to be happy. I don't need anyone to be happy. Has anybody ever heard somebody say that in life? I don't need anyone. And there's two types of people who say this. There are people that you have a ton of people in your life around you, and you have never had to experience isolation because people are always around you, whether it's your job, whether it's your life, whether you have a big family, whether whatever happens, and you just say, I don't need anybody. And the reason is because you're surrounded by too many people in your life. So you don't know what isolation is. 
It would be like being surrounded by tons of food and saying, I don't need any food to live. Or having tons of money and say, who needs money? You with me? When you have an abundance of something, it's easy to say you don't need it at all. And the second thing is, you're a person who is so isolated you can't fix your isolation, and so you justify having it. You say, I'm fine. And basically, when we can't get what we want, we tell ourselves we didn't need it anyway. Have you ever known people like that that we go ahead and say, like, we don't, don't have something, we say, well, I didn't need it in the first place. And this is so dangerous, particularly that second one. It's so dangerous, it's not healthy, because God did not create us to be alone. Because basically, if that's how you feel, just to let you know, you're not only denying yourself, but you're denying someone else of who you are and who God created you to be in that. And so, as we're switching gears and continuing on, and I'm, I'm giving you a lot of stuff, one thing that I see that every happy person has is this, peace. Peace. On the inside, they're fine. They're truly, truly good. On the inside, everything's just really cool. And so, what we see is happy people are at peace with a number of things, and I'm going to give you some of them here today. Happy people are at peace with, number one, themselves. You know people, whether they're rich or they're poor or they're single or they're married or they have a lot or they have a little or they're extroverts or they're introverts or they have kids or they don't have kids or they have a job or they don't have a job and, you know, they are just comfortable in life. Anybody know anybody like that? That no matter what comes, no matter what the situation is, they are just like, it's all good. It's all good. They are people who are rarely worried. Sometimes they are so rarely worried that you worry for them and wonder if they're paying attention to what's around them. You, know, you ever known them? Like there's somebody who may have a diagnosis. There's somebody who may have a situation facing them. They may be having this impending, oh, we're going to lose, you're going to lose your job. And they go, yeah, it's okay. And you go, really? You're not worried? No. You're like, what's wrong with you? Do you and you, you repeat the situation to them because you don't think they understand. And they're telling you, no, I understand perfectly. They're just at peace with whatever comes. And don't they annoy you, the people like that? Um, they are not in an inner battle. They are just completely at peace. So there are some of those people who are, that you see, people who have peace, number one, with themselves. There are others who have peace with others, themselves and others. They're not angry if they're mistreated. You ever known somebody who people treat horrifically and they're just like, meh, that's their problem. And they just roll on. Now, I'm not that way. Anybody with me? Like, I got a long list. Anybody with me with this long list? You got it? Like, this is where technology helps. You can jot it down and put it on the cloud so it never gets lost. Okay, so you have a list of people that you might run into somebody and you may actually be nice to them. Oh, hey, how are you? Good to see you. You walk by, you're like, that sucker. You Let me tell you what they did to me. You know, you know right away. And you're praying that the, uh, the flies of a thousand camels invade their armpits, right? That's what you do. You pray things like that. And so there are some people who, no matter what they, people do to them, they're okay with it. They're not bitter, and they're not plotting their next move, or they want to give a payback at the end of life. They're just cool with others, no matter what others have done. I'm amazed at people like that. And then a lot of people, and I'm going to tell you not all people, but a lot of people who are happy are cool and at peace with God. 
that they actually just believe that there's more to life than this. That the situations and the difficulties that we face, yeah, they're here. They actually believe the scripture that says our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. They believe that. And they live life that way. You know, we may believe it. We may say it. But when it comes to the hardships and we just say, hey, these are just light and momentary troubles. But, but Jack, you've got a diagnosis of cancer. Yeah, but it's just a light and momentary trouble. Because guess what? I'm going to heaven and that's going to be better. Right? Not many of us think that way. We say it and we gather here, but when the rubber hits the road, we start to say, hold on to what we know in this world. And so those people who are okay with God, they seem, they seem to be pretty happy as well. So if this is true, if happy people go ahead and have a peace, and they have a peace with themselves, others, and some with God, then anything that harms your peace harms your happiness. If we're following this. Everybody with me? You're following this along? And so think about it. Think about a time in your life. It might have been a time, an event, a circumstance, a relationship, that there's some regret that you look back to. Everybody's got regrets. And think about a time that you look back at a regret. Something you said to someone, something how you reacted, Something that happened. And when you look at that, when you look back at that, I would say right now that probably affects your happiness. That it changed the happy meter somewhere because you have a regret. And often I would say it's because it affected people relationally. And so you regret that to the core of your being. Because if you are on a verge of a I don't know about this moment or decision, you have the potential to undermine your happiness if you're not sure. Because happy people are at peace with themselves, with others, and many with God. And Jesus discovered this and wanted to share this with his disciples. And here's what they discovered. They discovered this. Peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves and equips us to make peace with others. Let me say that again. Peace with God paves the way to peace with ourselves and equips us with the skills to make peace with others. This is what most of the New Testament is about. Most of the New Testament is about finding peace and having good relationships with others. And I want to share an example of how Jesus puts us all together. We sang about it. Ron read it to us. And here it is. Jesus was asked by a lawyer, what is the most important commandment? You see, the Jewish people had 600 plus rules that they had to learn. Synagogue school dealt with all that. And often they had, if you were a good uh, synagogue school uh, student, <coughs> you would know the answers. Jewish people would often ask questions which they knew the answer to. Like, for instance, in Passover, why is this night different than any night? Then somebody would tell the story. It was part of how they passed on their, their history and their tr tradition. So he asked, he knew what his answer was, and he said, I want to hear from you, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? What is the greatest commandment? In other words, which is the most important? And Jesus says this, because we got to keep in mind, we usually don't, Think about commandments and laws as bringing us happiness, do we? 
We usually think about laws and rules as bringing us suffering. How many uh, young people, or how many not so young people, have or have had restrictions and rules when you were growing up? Okay? How many of you had those? You had to be in a certain time. You had to do this. You had to call. I know, I know children love that Life 360 thing that you know where they are all the time. Am I right? right? Isn't that great? Technology, creeping parents. You can't get away from us. Oh, we know when you turn it off, right, Emigel? No. <laughs> okay, we get it. So I got the tricks. All right, so, but that's what we do. See, it's off right now. She says, I'm in church. See me? Uh, okay, but, but we, like, we don't like that, do we? We don't like rules. We don't like that we have to call and check in, okay? We don't like those kind of rules in life. And so that doesn't, usually rules and commands don't make us happy. But Jesus has asked this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? He's waiting for a list of thou shalt not. Don't do this. Make sure you do that. And look at Jesus' response. Jesus replied, what's that word? Love. Love Love. Love is not understood as a commandment, usually. Love is not a commandment. Love is a relational word. Notice that. It's relational. It doesn't sound commanding. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That is relational. It's not, it's not situational. It's not um, it's something that you buy. It's not possessional. It is a relational word. And Jesus has asked what the greatest commandment is. And he says, most of all, the thing is to love God because he understood. Let's go back to what we just shared. People who are at, happy are at peace. And one of the things that they're at peace with is God. And so he knew that in order for you to have happiness, which Jesus wants us to have, that you have to love God. And then he doesn't stop there. And, everybody say and. In other words, this, he says the same is like this, the next one. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, or the second one is exactly the same. These are intertwined. And how are they intertwined? Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus has asked the most important rules to live by. And he says, to be at peace with God and to be at peace with others. That is a command. It's not a choice. The core to Jesus, and we can't dismiss this, is Jesus wants us happy and at peace. And in order for us to be happy and at peace, Jesus says you must be cool with God and at peace with him, and you must be at peace with other people. You see, I think a lot of times we think we're good with God. But what Jesus is saying here, if you're not cool with others, then you're not cool with God. You're not at peace with others if you're not at peace with God. And I got to tell you, at times in my life, I had some thoughts, and here's some of the thoughts that I've had. I've always thought that God sometimes is in the way of my happiness. Anybody with me? Come on, God, let that one go. I'd be a heck of a lot happier right now. But guess what? We won't stay in unhappiness for very long unless there's a major reason to do it. Because many of us are on a happiness quest, and that's next week. And that's okay. We're on a happiness quest. But what's most important to God is tied to what's most important to us. Most people, if you ask, what do you want in life? They'll say, I want to be happy. And God wants you to be happy too, but he needs you to be at peace. And God provides the way of happiness. To resist God is to resist happiness. And so your biggest regret, the one I asked you about, part of it was you broke peace either with someone else or with God. And that's been a problem 
to this day. But in Matthew, Jesus said, he invites us into this peacemaking relationship. Now there's one more area as we wrap this up today that we gotta share. And it's one of those churchy words. Are you ready? It's a little word, but it carries a lot of weight. Sin. He said it. He said the S word in church. Sin. Right, that's a little tiny word that carries a huge amount of weight because of what we've done to it. Now, what I want to do for you, if you're a Christian, I want you to define it as Christians would. If you're from another religion, go ahead and define it as they would right now. I want us to come together on this kind of thing. If you're non-religious or you're trying to figure this whole thing out, I want you to think whatever others or you um, think that you shouldn't do, that you do it sometimes. Sound like a plan? Okay, so I want you to define sin in that area and go there. And no matter how you defined it, I want to let you know that this is what's true about whatever your definition of sin is. Sin separates. Sin separates, no matter how we look at it. Who does it separate? It, number one, separates you from other people. Let me ask you, have any of you had a good friend that they did something against you, that they sinned against you, or you may have sinned against them? In other words, you did something you shouldn't have done, or they did something they shouldn't have done, and that relationship did what? It separated, correct? We see that time and time again. It may be a former spouse that everything was together, and something happened, and boom, different. It may have been a coworker. You, you get it, right? <laughs> you get it. Somebody did something and relationally sin eroded that relationship and separated you because it broke the peace and and when it broke peace, it destroyed happiness. See how they're intertwined? Okay. So, excuse me. So sin separates you from others. Sin also separates you from God. And I want to tell you, this is the most misunderstood concept in the Bible, I really believe. Because it's not just that, it's not just the theological thing that here's God and here's you and here's sin. That's part of it. But let's go back to what Jesus said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. So one of the reasons that I believe that sin separates us from God is because if we have a sin or a conflict against others, then, and others are people who God loves, for God so loved the Okay, God so loved the world, and they are his children. If you have something against God's child, then you're not going to be at peace with God because he loves that person. Let me put it this way. If you have a problem and you say stuff about my kids, and my kids, I'll say enough about them. They're, they're great. I love them. But when they say, do something wrong, do I not tell you? Right? Not you, Rachel. You're wonderful. I'm, so, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. All right. So... Don't worry, uh, Jacob, you're wonderful too. It's Emigal. No, Emigal, you're all, they're all wonderful, but they all do something. So if they do something, I hold them accountable because they're my kids. But if you start saying stuff about my children and then you come to me and say, yeah, I think Jacob's a scumbag and a dirtbag and I can't stand him, but we're good, right? No, that's my kid. You with me? So why in the world do we think we can't be good with God's kids and still be good with, with our daddy? You with me? Because this is, if you're not happy, I'd say start with your relationships with other people. Because God so loved the world that he gave his son. And if you have a problem with your siblings, then you're going to have a problem with your daddy. 
It's what the scripture says is what Jesus said. That's why Jesus said, what is the greatest commandment? To love God. We go, I got that. And how do you show that? By how you love each other. It's weighty, isn't it? Because some people just aren't lovable. Am I right? And so when we look at this, we have to embrace the fact that the New Testament relational stuff is not just because God needed to give us busy rules, but because God wants you to be happy, and in order to be happy, you have to be at peace, and to be at peace, you have to be at peace with God, others, and yourself. And that's the other thing, sin separates. Sin separates, and this might be the biggest one. Sin separates you from yourself. And we're gonna do a whole week on this, so I'm not gonna, gonna go big, but I just wanna give you an example here. You may have said this. If I ever blank, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. If I ever blank, and any, every one of us in here could fill in that blank right there. Every one of us. I can't look at myself in the mirror. I can't stop because I, I, I can't stop thinking about my stupid, destructive decision I made. And we can't get by it. You see, sin separates by substituting. We're going to do a whole week on this, on sin substitution as well. It substitutes things for people, the immediate for the ultimate, self-expression for self-control, and on and on and on. You see what else sin does? Sin makes a happy promise that sin can't keep. Because ultimately, sin is not your friend. Sin brings disorder. Sin brings unhappiness. Oh, it may, it's just like the marketing. Satan is a great marketer. Look at this. Isn't it shiny and nice? Did you notice in the Garden of Eden, the fruit was appealing to her? It wasn't rotten laying on the ground. She said, mm, I think I'll take a bite. No, it was the most beautiful, appealing thing in the whole garden. And, and she did it. And from that point on, sin took over. Now, I want to share this verse as we close and the worship team comes up. James, it's in the book of James, and James is Jesus' brother. Think how cool that is, that Jesus is your big brother. Like if somebody messes with you in your neighborhood, you go, hey, Jesus, can you do one of them things? All right, um, if you're hungry, you just say, hey, I left my lunch. Got any, can you do something? All right, something like that. But James did not follow Jesus when he was younger. It wasn't until after the resurrection, and he became a Jesus follower. Jesus follower, and that's actually a better definition than Christian, a Jesus follower. And look at what he writes here. He writes this in James chapter 1. Then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now think about this. Here you go. You have that, that desire. Ooh. Oh, there's, there's sin. Oh, congratulations. You're pregnant with sin. Oh, it's growing. It's great. And then it gives birth. What does it give birth to? A little baby sin. Oh, isn't he cute? Look at this little. Oh, look at him. He's real little. This little sin. Isn't he cute? Oh, I just. Oh. I'm going to feed him and nourish him. Oh, he's getting bigger. He's growing. I can barely pick him up now. Oh, he's here. And then look what happens. And when it is full grown, it has a kid of its own, which is death. You see, sin doesn't just stay that conception, it doesn't just stay that little baby that you can keep here. It grows and grows and it will take over and it will destroy your happiness. It will destroy your peace and it will take your life and completely ruin it and bring you complete death. See, all this is done in relationships. 
Our problems in relationships start as babies, sin babies. And if we're not at peace with ourselves and God and others, that little baby sin's gonna grow and grow and grow and grow. Because you were created for more, and that's happiness, and you have more control over it than you think, and then you know. So I'm gonna just rip through this real quick. Let's summarize. Here we go. So, to summarize, since happy is about who, not what, and since happy people are at peace with themselves, others, and possibly, we're not gonna say definitely, possibly God, and since sin undermines peace by separating and substituting, and the greatest commandment, since Jesus valued and prioritized peace with God, ourselves, and others, and since you want to be happy, right? Everybody want to be happy? If you want to be happy, then you should, become, you should consider becoming a Christ follower. I mean an active Christ follower. One that's just not in name, one who is in practice. And if you're not ready for that, you should definitely consider coming back next week so we can talk about part two next week about what makes you happy. All right? Everybody good? Let's stand up and let's worship the Lord one more time today. song by the, um, the great man who died way too young. His name was Keith Green. Everybody ever know Keith Green? And just, just sing the words and listen to them.
first help me just to live it alone and when I'm doing well help me to never seek a crown for my reward is giving glory to you that verse one more time, oh Lord, you're beautiful. I always think about, um, he was one of, Keith Green was one of the early uh, contemporary Christian artists, and he was killed in an um, airplane um, accident. And um, this, among other songs, There is a Redeemer, this song was played at his funeral. And as people sat there and sang, they said, oh Lord, you're beautiful. Your face is all I see. And knowing at that moment, those words that Keith Green wrote brought peace to people there because they recognized that he was at peace with his God, himself, and others. Don't let your happiness be ruined by holding a grudge or by, by a regret in your life. Be at peace with God by loving others and being at peace with them. And trust me, I get it. Some, As I look around the room, I know some of you have some stuff in your life that you can't get there with. That's when we say, I've done all I can. It's in your hands, Jesus. Because Jesus, as we just came from the season, looked at them. Remember we talked about last words? And what did he say? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. And be at peace with yourself. All right? So next week, we're going to talk about happiness, what makes you happy, and you're going to plan for it. You're going to plan for happiness. So I'll see you next week. God bless.